Sarah Dittmars has combined two of her passions into a career that continues to evolve. Her first love was sports. Sarah says she played every sport growing up and recalls when her parents, fed up with her incessant use of the recycling bins as targets, broke down and finally bought her a basketball net. Sarah's other love was science, a passion that would direct her down the road of athletic therapy as part of her kinesiology studies at Brock University in St. Catharines, Ontario. Following graduation, Sarah was hired as the athletic therapist and trainer for the Trenton Golden Hawks of the Ontario Junior Hockey League. There was only about five of us in the league when I started. I started in the league in 2013. There's 22 teams in the league and about five teams had female therapists. So it was kind of like, I kind of stuck out right away. Um, I was 23, the oldest player on the team's 20 and, and you're working firsthand with them, working in the gym, uh, treating their injuries and, and of course on the bench. Sarah says there were challenges being a woman in a male dominated field, but they were put to rest quickly and culminated in 2017 when Sarah was named the Ontario Junior Hockey League's Trainer of the Year, the first ever for a woman. On top of Sarah Dittmar's Sports Performance, an online business that works with athletes hoping to regain their competitive edge, Sarah is now also coaching coaches. We coach different coaches in every single niche, in every industry you can think of. So everything between fitness coaches, sports performance coaches, yoga coaches, to life coaches, relationship coaches, divorce coaches, um, you know, law of attraction coaches, authors that are coaching people to write books, any type of coach, someone that coaches someone, we coach them to create and build an online business, taking advantage of the internet, using it literally as your playground to impact a lot of lives and change your own life in the making. Sarah's advice, don't ever let anyone put you in a box where success is limited. And if they do, step outside the box where the sky's the limit. Sarah Dittmars, on this episode, of Run It Like a Girl. So today is a really good day because today we're doing a recording for season two of Run It Like a Girl. And I'm so thrilled um, to have our guest today, Sarah Dittmars. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us for an episode of Run It Like a Girl. Thank you guys for having me on the show. Oh, I'm very excited. I was, uh, and it's funny because we had like, I think it was several people that reached out and said, oh, you should really interview Sarah. She'd be fantastic. So I'm really glad that uh, we're sitting down and doing it now. Well, that's good. Um, <laughs> Hopefully this holds up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so Sarah, so you're, uh, by training, you're a registered kinesiologist. Um, you're also an athletic therapist for the Trenton Golden Hawks for several years and, uh, and recently have moved on to a, to a new role as a, as a coach for coaches. Um, so I'd love to maybe just start a little bit about your background in athletics and kind of what drove you to go into the career choices you have made. Totally. So I, I grew up in the Quinney, Quinney area, actually grew up in Brighton. And honestly, from like the get go, I, I think I played every sport. I remember even putting like the recycling bin on this pillar we had outside of our house and I would like shoot a basketball into it until my parents bought me a or got me a basketball net for Christmas. Um, so literally, like since I was a kid, I, I was just always involved in sports. And um, going through school, of course, when you're trying to figure out what you're going to go to university for, because 
um, everyone pushes you kind of through that stream, which, which is great and, and has its own challenges, of course. But um, I, was, I was really drawn to science and I wanted to kind of like, what if I could combine the two? There was a show, I don't know if you remember, but back, back in like the early 2000s, there was a show on ESPN and it was called uh, Sports Science. Oh, cool. show like I think completely transformed my life and it they basically did all these science experiments based off of sports like how you know what hits harder a, a, a football tackle or a hockey check anything like that and I just kind of fell in love with this fact that you could combine these two worlds so as I grew up I went into uh, kinesiology and I originally wanted to be a physiotherapist but then of course my love of sport was overturning everything. And I went through the stream of athletic therapy through um, my study in kinesiology and um, I moved back home. And um, honestly, like since, since I was honestly involved in sport from every, every age all the way up um, and my, my path in university, those two worlds were always so parallel and it just literally carried me through my whole entire life. Up you know, and it's pretty cool that, uh, that your passion for sports, you've been able to turn into a whole career. Absolutely, and it's it's funny. It's like you can create anything out of anything, and uh, not to get too philosophical on you, but like I, I honestly was like, this is what I love, and I should probably follow what I love instead of you know becoming a mechanic or a, anything else, even even a, any other career path. It just wouldn't have fit um, with what I wanted to be aligned with. So I just literally always followed sport, and it, it took me took me everywhere. That's amazing. And um, I'd love to actually talk a little bit about, um, so you, you've been, uh, and we talked before we, you know, before we went on air, that you've kind of been a coach your whole life. But then for, for six years, you were actually training uh, and, and uh, as a member of the Golden Hawks hockey team in Trenton. I would like to know, what was it like coaching male athletes or working with male athletes? And was there any barriers that you came across? How, how being a female, did that kind of influence the way you worked? I'd love to tell you that there weren't any at all. I would love to tell you that, but there was actually so many. So I, um, through undergrad and through my master's um, at Brock University, I had a chance to work with the varsity women's uh, rugby program and the varsity women's hockey program. And so I, I gathered a couple of years of experience working in the field and hands-on with athletes. And then when I moved home, you know, broke, nowhere to go as a university graduate, I moved back with my parents. Um, which God bless them for letting me have, have that opportunity. But I, I, I quickly um, was given an opportunity to work with the Golden Hawks. And that experience was the best part of my life. And honestly, like, there are so many things that I learned about myself and how I handled different situations. And I was able to to learn a lot about myself. And, and really, it was it wasn't always written all over the walls that like Sarah's a female and she works like there's a woman working on this this junior I team um although at first there was only about five of us in the league when I started I started in the league in 2013 there's 22 teams in the league and about five teams had female therapists so it was kind of like I kind of stuck out right away um I was 23 the oldest player on the team is 20 and, and you're working firsthand with them or working in the gym, uh, treating their injuries and, and of course on the bench. And it stuck out a lot. And, and to be honest, right up until my last season with the team, there was probably about 50 to 60% of teams in the OHL or the OJHL that have um, female therapists. So over that, just those six seasons that I spent with Trenton, things had quickly changed and transformed, but there was a ton of obstacles 
um, between coaches uh, and how they, their comfort level. Um, some coaches didn't necessarily care as much as other coaches, um, whether it was my own coach or the, or the coaches that we were playing against. My first coach in Trenton um, didn't, and he'll tell you this, um, and, and we still talk on a regular basis, so I know he's, he's okay with me sharing the story, but he, he literally didn't want a female at all. Um, you know, he, he had an 11-year career in the NHL, and he'd been coaching for, for years at the junior A um, level and major junior level, and he, he just had this thing inside. He said, I don't want a female. And then it, so it took, a, it took a season and a half maybe to kind of get him to kind of see things in a different way. He was great to work with. Of course, there was challenges between just my position itself and his position um, as the therapist and, and the head coach. I always have to go to his office with bad news. It's not like I had to go in there saying, hey, how are you doing all the time, right? So um, there were challenges at the beginning, and then uh, we quickly just kind of became such a tight, tight group. Our, our first our first four years, we had the same staff, and so, you know, you turned into a family, and it was fine with that. But not just coaching staff, it's um, the players, too. Some players um, are comfortable, some, some don't care. Um if you ask a lot of junior A players that I've worked with, they probably would say it didn't really make a difference. Um, and some would probably say they prefer female, which is a little bit different than what most people think. Mm-hmm. Um, most people would think, you know, guys would rather have a, a guy doctor. But at the end of the day, um, as, a, as a woman, it's we tend to be a bit more compassionate and understanding, but at the same time, we're down to business. So, you know, I think I think for many of them, if they did have any hesitations or objections, it was kind of quickly realized that, you know, this is actually, this is actually good for us. So there was, there was a, there was a ton. I could talk for hours about <laughs> challenges, but they all, they all kind of turned out to be all right, of course. So I guess you would say you kind of had to build trust, uh, trust that maybe, maybe, maybe a man wouldn't have had to, but obviously, um, you know, being who you are, you were able to build their trust and, uh, have a, have a great career with them. I don't I want to ask you, um, and it's kind of like just a question I thought of. What would you say to someone kind of just starting, a, a female just starting out in, in that profession of, of, you know, training or working with male athletes? Uh, what kind of advice would you give them? Honestly, it's, it's address the elephant in the room right away. So if there's any sort of objection about there being, you know, if you are a, a woman working the men's team or, or in, any, in any field, I'm sure this happens all over, um, if there are any kind of gender barriers, we'll call them, um, then you've just got to address it. And at the same time, not let it define you. Um, for, for me, I had a long, like I've been around hockey my entire life. So when it comes to me doing my job in hockey, like I, I know what it's like to be them. And I understand what it's like to be in my role. I had experience I, I, that I had learned. Um, and I was able to learn at, at the very beginning with, with women's varsity. So, I mean, I, I had all those little hiccups at the beginning. So I was quite confident when I was working with the men. Um, but it's, it's you know, know what, that you, you do your job better than many people may think. And just basing it off the fact of a woman working in a men's team, it really doesn't make a difference if you, if you don't let it. Um, you know, that, that level of competitiveness, um, the sense of urgency of getting a player back in the lineup right away. Um, all those factors take over um, how you handle stressful situations. Um, if you do have a very horrible injury, which I've had many, um, you know, being able to handle it 
professionally. But that professionalism will carry over any sort of limitation or kind of thoughts that other people might have if you are if you are a woman in your case, man. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So it's just do your job and do it well. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it because at the end of the day, if you just do your job, then then no one will have anything to hold against you. If if you kind of let that that gender barrier uh, hold you back, then it will. Uh, right. But if you address it right away, it's and, and you do your job well, and you become obsessed with being good at your job, then uh, then you'll be totally fine. I like they'll that. back off. They'll back off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess so. They don't have anything to say. You're right. Uh, address the elephant in the room right away. I like that. Um, so I'd like to actually talk a bit about uh, mentorship and the the role that uh, it's played in your career. Um, wh- how do you define mentorship, and what how have some of your mentors supported you along your way? I've had mentors my whole life, but to me, a mentor is someone who is an expert in their craft and can lead you through a, an experience, a journey, a, a problem, um, because they have the tools to help you guide you. So really, I think of them as coaches. Like even if it's professionally and in sports, it's if you have a mentor, you have a coach, someone that's going to guide you through and lead you through um, what you need to accomplish. And uh, so, since since I was a kid playing sports, I mean, from your t-ball to your you know, little league soccer, um, all the way through competitive hockey, your high school coaches, all those people, of course, stand out right away. But um, Karen, I remember Karen. Karen was my, she was our senior athletic therapist at Brock University. And I think about her all of the time. Uh, she, in university, you have student therapists that are working with teams. And then you have uh, a senior athletic therapist that, that represents, you know, um, athletic therapy and of course the university and so she she was our um, she was our mentor and she was our go-to and our, our lead and she taught me everything she taught me everything about not just athletic therapy but about what it's like to go on after university what what life looks like outside of that bubble I mean I spent six years in, in university so between my undergrad and my master's so I you know you're kind of clouded by this this environment it's like what's it going to be like when I get out um not like it's prison or anything there but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so she she was a major mentor in my life and she she had me thinking outside the box from the get-go she she ran Pilates and yoga out of her living room as well as uh, being an athletic therapist at the university she always had me thinking and she was you know she was very easy to approach and ask for help. So she stands out right away. And then, and then through, um, through the people that I'd worked with and learned from uh, professionally. And then, you know, there came a time in my life where I was like, you know what, I need a little bit more help with my business. Um, and so I started investing in business coaches. I had, I had three um, different uh, business coaches at different times that I had taken their, their guidance from. And it's, it's played a huge, huge role in my life. Huge. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, I think this is going to be a good segue because uh, in between when, uh, when you uh, graciously agreed to come on an episode of Run It Like a Girl and now you have actually taken kind of a new career path and, and started a new opportunity, um, I think that's really great because, you know, a lot of times people get set in what they think they have to do or what the next step is. Mm-hmm. But to be able to actually see an opportunity and go get it, I think that's pretty incredible. And I'd, I'd love to hear about kind of like what you're doing now and, and what made you make the decision. To, to go do it well first of all I need to point out how I am obsessed with progress um and it could it can kind of work against you at, at times too but it's it's something that's always been a part of me so you know once you achieve so much it's like okay what's the next thing 
Um, so for me to stay in a, a, in a role for more than 10 years, which is what I spent in the athletic therapy and hockey world, um, is, it becomes a little bit more of a challenge to me. It's, it's harder to, it, you can become complacent in, in certain aspects. And as, as much as I, I love the game and it was so much my, of who I am and when we were chatting before, it's like, well, what, what kind of, how, what, what do you go by? Like, what do you, what's your title? It's, it's a little bit difficult because, you know, what you were and what you are now changes and if you allow it to, which, which I really think you should. But, um, so what, what, what I've transitioned into is from, from running Sarah Dittmar Sports Performance out of the garage of my home in small town, Battawa, Quinn West, um, to working with the Golden Hawks, um, and and how great that was. I'm, I'm not taking anything away from any of that because it, it's gotten where I was or where I am now. Is uh, I was presented with this opportunity to work with one of my mentors, which was a huge honor. Someone that I had invested um, a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of a lot of emotion into what what he had helped me build um, with my with my training business is uh, he, he, he approaches me with an opportunity to join his team, which is a huge, huge opportunity because first of all, it's, it's a huge honor when someone that you look up to addresses how far you've come and how much you've learned, how, how good you are at something to, enough to ask them, ask you to join them. Um, so Lucas Rubix, uh, he's, he's, he was my coach and now he's my, my teammate. I'll, I'll call him. And, uh, I've, I've joined up with him and, and, what we do is we coach different coaches in every single niche in every industry you can think of. So everything between fitness coaches, sports performance coaches, yoga coaches, to life coaches, relationship coaches, divorce coaches, um, you know, law of attraction coaches, authors that are coaching people to write books, any type of coach, someone that coaches someone, we coach them to create and build an online business that makes a massive impact on lives of people all the way around the world instead of the brick and mortar, you know, I can only reach people that live in my area. So taking advantage of the internet, using it literally as your playground to impact a lot of lives and change your own life in the making. That's really what we do now. And, and uh, that opportunity has been quite recent, like you're saying, um, Bonnie, when we were talking about coming on the show, I was basically at this point where I was like, you know what, like, there's something else out there that I, you know, I've gotten all these skills and I've learned how to do my job really well. Um, but it pained me every time I went to coffee with one of my, one of my, I'll call them colleagues, even though, you know, being self-employed, you might not think of colleagues, but other coaches that I know and other friends in the, in the, in the industry and hearing uh, their complacency with just kind of knowing what they know and not expanding or, you know, the struggles that we all have in, in being your own, being your own business, et cetera. So that kind of started to pain me a little bit. And of course, when you first think, why would you help your friends market more and get more clients when they're kind of a competitor? Um, it didn't matter to me anymore. So I just want to help those people because I've learned so much through my experiences and I have this great opportunity, so I need to chase it. And I guess everyone can be better, right? Like, the, their success does not take away from yours, so... A hundred percent. Everyone yeah. is so different. There's only one of me in the entire world, and I have a way of talking about something that's totally different than someone else who might talk about the exact same thing. So, right. there's yeah. there's really no competition, if you think about it. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I, I remember uh, another guest once said, you know, there's enough room for everybody, so let's bring everybody up together because we can totally. all be successful. Totally. I agree. So we're actually at our, our final question, and it's one that uh, that we ask everyone. And it's a bit similar to what I asked you previously, but I couldn't wait. But uh, So we're going to change up a little bit, I guess. But uh, So if you could go back in time and talk with a younger version of you, maybe someone starting out university or when you were just finishing university, um, and getting into your career, what would you say? Um, what would the conversation look like if you were having lunch with yourself? Every podcast I've been on, they ask the same question, <laughs> and I always feel like I answer it differently because, of course, my opinion on that has always evolves. But really, it's it's about not limiting yourself by what you think. Like, don't ever put yourself in a box and think that you can only achieve so much and don't let other people put you in a box and think that you can only achieve so much um kind of be obsessed with with evolving and and that's something that I've experienced firsthand and how hard that was I've got to say now I live in I live in Ottawa and you know being I've never been to Ottawa really been maybe once or twice um so moved to a big city because it's closer to an airport because now I'm going to be traveling a lot more um and, and a couple other reasons too but the changes that I went through between the comfortable Sarah Dittmer sports performance and Trenton Golden Hawks and Quinty West and everything that was comfortable there, everything that I kind of built up was really hard to leave. And and you might argue that you might not notice that I'm gone because I'm still all over the internet. Uh, but it was very it was very challenging, very uncomfortable, and, and leaning into how uncomfortable it was has, has made some massive growth in my life. So I would probably tell a younger version of Sarah to don't let anyone put you in a box and don't ever be afraid of stepping outside of that box because if you stay complacent, it's what you know is what you know. You don't know what you don't know. Love it. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, Sarah, I, just, I want to thank you so much for taking your time to, to be on our show today. And uh, it's just been a real pleasure talking to you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Thank you. Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. The producer is Brian Long, with technical assistance from Dan Moak, and music by the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk. On the next episode of Run It Like a Girl, following her work as a foreign correspondent in Asia, Joanna Chu is now the chief of the Toronto Star's Vancouver Bureau. In Asia, Joanna worked for a number of publications out of Beijing as well as Hong Kong. A story on refugees in Hong Kong won Joanna a 2012 Human Rights Press Award. And a report on Me Too cases in Asia was named one of the best foreign policy stories of 2018. Joanna Chu on the next episode of Run It Like a Girl.